Hey folks, this is Gabby Naranja from Faster Skier, and you are listening to Nordic Nation. This episode recorded on the ground in Pyeongchang, South Korea, you'll hear from U.S. cross-country skier Keegan Randall, known by some as Keek Animal. A native of Anchorage, Alaska, Randall is in her fifth and final Olympic Winter Games here in Pyeongchang. On Wednesday evening earlier this week, Randall and teammate Jesse Diggins, Jay Diggs, paired up to take the win in the team sprint, earning the U.S. women their first Olympic cross-country medal in gold. The day after her gold medal performance, Randall learned that she had been nominated to the International Olympic Committee, IOC, Athletes Commission. Consider, she's also a mom. We met up with Randall in the U.S. pop-up training room called The Haven. You may notice the recording has the ambient echo of a gym. Randall detailed to us her final Olympic moments and her future role with the IOC as an athlete rep. Where are we right now? We are in um, what they call The Haven. Uh, it was provided to us by the USOC. Um, we're actually in the gym section here, so we have our own little uh, workout area for Team USA. Uh, and then we've been able to come here off-site to a restaurant to be able to make sure we're getting the high-quality nutrition and just a kind of peaceful environment in the, all the madness that is the Olympics. Okay, so that's in this building. It's not, like, connected to the USA building? That's right. We, we, we're about a 10-minute shuttle ride away from the Olympic Village. Um, and this has been open for us the entire games. Uh, it's been great to be able to come here and uh, yeah, get a little training in, get a little nutrition in, and just get like really have a haven away from all the craziness. Is it? Um, you know, actually, it's gone really well. The first, uh, we, it's hard to believe we've been here for two weeks already um, because those first like first days kind of moved along slowly. We got all our uniforming, we got settled in, we got those first races under our belt. But now it's just been speeding up and speeding up, and uh, now I really see the value of, of having some quiet space like this. Okay, so we are here. Gabby's here too. Hello, hello. Uh, <laughs> so we're here with Keegan, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit about your race because I'm sure that's been <laughs> you've talked a lot about that. Well, I think people have had a chance to watch it a few times, but yeah. Um, uh. still. Yeah, that was more exciting news to, to get yesterday that they've been elected on behalf of the athletes. Okay, so without coaching you, I'm going to get you. So who are we speaking to here? Uh, this is Keegan Randall. <laughs> do you have to add anything? Any, do you, have you been coached in terms of like... <laughs> well, uh, a few times they've had me say, you know, hi, I'm Keegan Randall. I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. I'm a cross-country skier, and I'm an Olympic champion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so um, first, before we get into all the IOC-type things... Um, you have you. I overheard here. You were you broke some sort of record twenty times or something. Yeah, what yeah, what was, was, yeah? What was what, what were you referring to? So through through my five Olympics, uh, apparently coming into the team sprint, that was going to be my eighteenth Olympic start. Uh, and of course, I've been chasing after a medal uh, every every try, but it took the eighteenth start to get a medal. So the new hashtag is eighteenth time is a charm. Ah, all right. So actually, so one of the things we've actually talked quite a bit about so most you know we've talked to a lot of nordic sport athletes while we've been here and over the you know just covering the sport most athletes in any discipline they do not get the opportunity to end the way they want to in terms of like the golden moment i mean that is like hollywood right it really is it's a fairy tale so um i'm curious like how did you process in your brain and maybe you don't as an athlete elite athlete um, coming through the, the games not 
meddling. I'm like in a different parallel universe. Does that make sense? Well, you know, what was really valuable about my whole experience in Sochi was that I got to come in as a gold medal favorite. I had all the confidence in the world. I had the hopes of U.S. cross-country skiing riding on my shoulders uh, to win that first medal, and it didn't happen. You know, we prepared as well as we could. I laid it all out there, um, but I walked out of that finish area, and I, you know, I had made a promise to myself before that race that no matter what happens, if I give it my best, I will walk out of here proud and satisfied. And um, to have to kind of work through that was was such a valuable experience. And, in, and looking back, I think it was more valuable than, than a gold medal would have ever been at that point. And so coming into this Olympics, I had a totally different perspective. I said, you know, I, I'm grateful that I've had another four years um, with the team uh, to kind of keep chasing after this big um, crazy goal and uh and i and i had team you know the team intentions uh that really motivated me throughout to come back and so i came in with with kind of the piece of i'm going to enjoy this experience because this will be my last olympics this is incredibly special um i'm going to lay it all out there um but i'm going to walk away and i think it, it just became so much different than about the medal um and the medals and just enjoying it and and doing my best and so um all the way up until you know, preparing for the race. I mean, it was a nail biter just to get named to this team. I mean, uh, to get any race starts here at the Olympics, we have such an incredible um, group of women here um, that I'm so proud to be a part of. And I was mentally prepared not to race at all. You know, I just every start I got was it was an opportunity and a gift. Um, and I felt a huge responsibility to go out and represent all the women on the team. So um, to be named to the four by five K relay was was a dream come true. Um, and then to get named to this team sprint and get to race with Jesse one more time uh, in probably the last team sprint of my career, I just was so excited to be out there. And, and it, we didn't even talk about medals. We just talked about our plan, how we wanted to ski. We created the right vibe. Um, and in the end, you know, it's, that's what it took to win the gold medal. Okay, so in talking to Matt at the press conference, you know, I was kind of curious, like, mm-hmm. you know, how did you come about going, what was the process like choosing the team? And obviously Jesse was a... A given. She's having an incredible Olympics. Um, And he he said, you know, we changed things up after uh, Lati. It's, you know, it just, he said, like, some of the athletes felt like I hadn't informed them with enough sort of leeway Mm -hmm. ahead of time. And it sounds like you guys were far more involved, feel free to jump in, but far far more involved with the process of of selection. And I don't know, I'm just, the way he explained it. Mm-hmm. So he said that, you know, we gave the, the athletes an opportunity to sort of advocate for themselves, which I'm sure you guys do anyway, um, and fill us in on how they were feeling and sort of so a little bit like a sales pitch. He did not use those terms. I'm just yeah. sort of rendering it down. What, what did you send along to Flora and Grover and mm-hmm. Wickham about your own pitch? Well, I, I mean, this is a process that's been in the works for a while. Um, I think it came about um, not even our first podium in Yalavari, but the year before in Nova Mesto, when we knew it was hard to pick what four athletes we were going to put on the start that day. And really kind of creating this idea that um, no matter who was on the snow, everybody on the team was a part of it and that we were going to be supportive no matter what. We know everybody wants to be on that team uh, and we know that everybody plays a role and we've all pushed each other in training um, and that in the end of the day it can only be four people or two people out there. So we've really made that at the forefront of our kind of team unity and, and, um, and drive and so having talked about that a lot over the last four years, it helped. Um, I think in Lati last year, we were confronted with reality for the first time that our team was so strong that 
getting a race start was not a guarantee. Um, that making a relay team was going to come down till um, you know maybe just hours before the start list was due, um, and who was going to get selected. And it's a pr it's a problem the Norwegians, the Swedes have dealt with for uh, decades, but we were experiencing it for the first time, and it was some growing pains. And um, I think what was good is that we we talked about it. Uh, we talked about what the challenges are, you know, um, what some possible solutions were. But in the end of the day, we knew this was going to be an issue coming into these Olympics. And I think. Having that out in the open really helped us all. Um, you know, motivated us in training to um, to really work together and push each other to to put our best forward so that we could make a bid for ourselves to be on that team because we all we all want it um, as bad as anybody else. But also knowing that by putting it out there and challenging each other, whoever was on that team was going to be at their absolute best. And so coming into this Olympics. Um, you know, Matt and Grover have done a, a great job of communicating to us as far in advance as they felt comfortable of what starts would be available and who they were thinking. Um, but it still is, is, a, is a guessing game. Um, and so with some individual events, you know, that gave them some objective criteria to look at in terms of who to select um, for the relays. But it also comes down to a little bit of gut feeling. And I think as athletes too, we've, we've promised to be really honest, to say, um, you know, this is how I'm feeling. This is where I feel my strengths are. Um, I'm going to put my, my best bit out there, and then they're going to select. And so, um, I, you know, I struggled in that skiathlon, which was really tough mentally for me because I knew that that was going to be a factor in selecting relay starts. Um, the 10K was better, um, but still, you know, um, Sadie skied a great race, uh, so still didn't know going to the relay. Um, getting named to the 4x5, I kind of told myself, hey, this, this might be my last Olympic race. I'm going to give it everything I have. Um, but it went really well. And so um, I knew it was going to be a really tough decision, but I also knew that my form was coming on better and better every race. And I think not having raced a lot in January, um, I, was, I was just on this trajectory to improve. Um, and thankfully, it was coming around at the right time. And this course really suits my strengths. And so, yeah. I. I I was going to advocate um, for myself because I really felt like I was the right person to be on the team with Jesse. And I know Sadie um, would have also been an amazing choice, and Sophie too. I mean, yeah, yeah. those girls, we, we couldn't have made a wrong decision, and I was at peace with that in my mind. I made my case, uh, but I was going to be happy with whoever they selected. And my only wish is that it was more than a two-person event because, um, yeah, everyone deserves to be a part of this. And it's not fair that only two of us get to be up there. but. Um, I think that I think we handled the process as well as we possibly could, and uh, and this is the new reality for Team USA. Um, yeah, it's a good but it's a, it's a good problem yeah. to have. <laughs> okay, my last race question, sort of, it's like, uh, what is your intangible? You know, and the yeah, I'm just curious, what would you describe as your your sort of race intangible? Like she gives this piece to that duo. Um. You know, it's it's been so fun um, to be having been on the team for so long, uh, to kind of steadily progress, see the door opening, see these all all of my teammates come through um, with more professionalism, more talent um, than I could have ever imagined, um, and to be able to work side by side with them. And uh, and then when it came down to selecting this two-person team sprint, I mean. Uh, it was very strategic. I mean, it was a, a challenging course uh, with a lot of climbing, uh, technical downhill. Um, and so I was 
you know, excited to see that it was definitely something that fit my strengths. And I felt like, um, I think we could have, Jesse and I could have been, you know, either one of us, could, we could have gotten either order and it would have been good, but I think they really made the right decision, uh, putting me out first because the, I just knew I needed to keep us in a good position. Uh, and the way Jesse's been skiing, she could bring it home. And so it was kind of fun to know what my job was, uh, keep it close, keep it in there. Um, I was confident I could ski with Marit and Charlotte. I don't think a lot of other people were quite so confident, but I knew my shape was coming. Um, and, and Eric, you know, Flora, my coach, he, he really helped me this week kind of with the right workouts and just finding, finding that right gear. Um, so yeah, it played out just, just like we hoped. We skied smart and smooth and, uh, I, you know, I was happy to be able to do my job, tag off and, and watch Jesse bring it home. And we're happy too. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, describe what your new, you were elected a uh, day and a half ago or the day you won the, I saw yeah, yeah. Blur, like, It's hard to keep track of the days with the time change because we're like a day in the future. Um, yeah, so the way this Olympics has played out is the event I was looking forward to the most fell towards the end and also the decision on who would be representing the athletes on the IOC Athletes Commission came at the end. So the race happened Wednesday. Um, you know, the final started at seven o'clock. Um, you know, we were finished by 7.20. So the whirlwind, I think I was in bed by 2 a.m. that night. Um, then, um, of course, there's been a lot of, a lot of interest in, in the cross country team and our story and our race. So uh, I've been talking to a lot of media um, and then went over to a press conference with the IOC and they, they dragged it out about as long as they could before they officially announced it. But um, I, uh, an incredible honor to, to be elected by 84% um, of the accredited athletes voted in the election. Um, and to be one of the two they chose, um, I just, I feel so honored and I'm so excited for the opportunity to expand on the experience I gained at the Fist Athlete Commission level, um, my five times at the Olympics myself as an athlete, uh, and just a lifelong passion for the Olympic movement um, and pushing that forward. So it's going to be a challenging, you know, eight years. There's, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, there are a lot of great people to learn from, uh, but I'm excited for a new challenge as I, as I move on to the next chapter. What do you say? I mean, so this delves into like, in particular, rolling into this, these games, lots of politics involved. Um, you got doping in Sochi. You've got a Russian team operating under the Olympic flag here. Um, athletes that were skiing on the World Cup who weren't allowed to come to the a lot of yep. twists to this narrative. What do you see as the primary, you know, from an athlete perspective, the primary threat, and that's kind of a grave word, but the primary threat or viability to maintaining the integrity of the sport, in particular, if you can kind of speak about Nordic sports, since that's what we focus on. You know, I, I really think what we've seen um, over the last uh, couple Olympic cycles, um, both in terms of uh, the the hype surrounding uh, venues like Sochi, where so much money was spent in an area that may not longer be used, um, coming you know coming to a big block in Asia here, um, and and a lot of a lot of really good cities deciding to withdraw their bids. Um, I think the Olympic movement is is definitely at a at a turning point here, um, and and I believe in it so much um, that I think there are some big issues to tackle and need to be tackled right away. We have 
yeah, we have the future of where Olympics games are held. We have the, the climate change uh, challenge for the Winter Olympics to be tackling. And of course, um, you know, clean sport and making sure that the Olympics remains a fair playing field and that we can maintain that integrity because that's important for the image of the Olympics going forward. So, um, you know, as an athlete preparing to compete here, I really had to narrow my focus on just the preparation I could do. Um, I mean, having had success uh, for our whole team this season on the World Cup really gave us the confidence that we didn't really need to think about what we were up against. We just needed to do our thing. Um, but this is this this cr crisis uh, on the on the anti-doping front is definitely a, um, a big deal, and it's an opportunity I see to really step back and, and really take a hard look at how things are done and how we can improve the system and move forward. And instead of trying to get caught up in all the things um, that have happened, I just I want to look forward and I want to figure out how to make this stronger and more transparent. And of course, in a cross sport like cross-country skiing where we're so heavily affected, um, you know, it's going to give me a lot of, of motivation to, to really dive into that. So it's not going to be an easy challenge. Um, there's a lot of politics involved. I, I don't even pretend to understand how the IOC and all that works yet, but I'm looking forward to the opportunity of being able to to be a part of the solution, to get inside and, and bring um, the story of a cross-country athlete um, really to those bodies and help people listen and make sure they, they really take the importance of this. So, um, so Becky, I'm sure you know Becky. Um, did you hear from Becky? I have. I, I got, a, I got an, uh, an email from, from her. Um, right away, um, congratulating Jesse and I on the medal, um, also congratulating me on the, uh, the IOC position. Um, Becky, no doubt, has been a huge role model in my life. I mean, I was there when she got her first medal. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. In Salt Lake, and that was, that was a turning point for me. That's when it's like, well, I'm really excited to be an Olympian, but I want to be a medalist like Becky. And if Becky can do it, I can do it. Um, and so she's been a role model on the sport front, but then watching her finish her career in 2006 and jump right into the IOC Athletes Commission uh, definitely made that something I wanted to do. Um, she's been an advocate and a leader in so many fronts, and I really look forward to you know, continuing to use her as a mentor um, to really learn how I can best use this new position to, to help keeping me change like she has. She's been... Um, you know, it's interesting. I think I, I forget what it was, but I think it was when, like, the second Sochi report came out and they did a press conference like a separate athlete WADA yep. athlete press conference and I was scrambling I was covering it and I was like who are you know I knew Becky yeah and I started going through the list of athletes I was like okay but what stands out is that amongst those folks and maybe obviously it's self-selected because I cover cross country she's a cross-country athlete she's she's pretty outspoken and she's been kind of out front both on the IOC and in as a WADA athlete mm -hmm. rep um, about really, uh, when there was an issue, she felt like she'd be in front of the media. She was a spokesperson on behalf mm -hmm. of clean athletes. How do you see sort of, and IOC is definitely a different beast than, <laughs> than WADA in many ways, but how do you see navigating that kind of duality is, or is there, I really, I mean, maybe I'll let you explain like between being a spokesperson on behalf of the clean athletes and you're also a face of the IOC. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, totally. Um, it's definitely a, ch a challenge to find, strike the right balance. And that's what I've really learned just working with FIS is that um, you, you know, there are very important issues to the athletes and you have to be a very um, outspoken um, and, and persistent um, leader um, to get those issues to the forefront. But there are certain ways to go about things 
and you have to be diplomatic and you have to be strategic. Um, and so I'm excited. Um, I think my, my role within the IOC will allow me to hopefully be um, a little bit of both sides, you know, to be able to understand the challenges and the dynamics that are happening at the IOC level when you're trying to orchestrate something on such a global scale um, and deal with those politics, but also be a representative for the athletes and, and to really keep hitting home that this is an important issue, that a big stance must be taken. And, um, you know, here it's, it's great to have Becky still so involved because I know I have a lot to learn. Um, and I know I, I, I don't think it's the right move to be to jump in and be um, the cheerleader right away, but really learn and find ways to be most effective. But it's certainly a topic that's that's really important, um, and it's great to see Becky's leadership. And um, yeah, we'll definitely be working hard on it. Okay, two more questions. Mm -hmm. I think any other IOC question. I was going to. I'm good about the IOC stuff, unless you want to add. Well, the only other really cool thing I think is that um, of the six candidates that were on the ballot, four were female. Two females were selected. Um, gender equity is a huge uh, goal of the Olympic Agenda 2020, um, and I know that's been you know a challenge at the at the IOC level before. Yeah, it's very yeah. male dominated, so I'm excited to to kind of help uh, further progress on that issue as well. You know, be a female representative uh, and just continue to create gender equity in, in the Olympic sport. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't think about it. There were a lot of seems like a lot of. Australian British dudes. <laughs> I can edit that out. <laughs> and crown, that too. crown princes and all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Well, yeah. that's like at the. Like, yeah. I was thinking of like the athlete committee, yeah. but yeah. Um, okay, so how are you going to stay involved with Nordic Sport and anything directly? I mean, we are of the media here, the most like niche we yeah. cover across country. <laughs> um, yeah, how are you going to stay in, involved with the sport? And second is here's an opportunity to direct or, or sort of address like your core community. Yeah. Well, I mean, first I'm, I'm going to look, I'm going to look backwards and say that all the people that have come, come before me have been incredible role models. And I, and I particularly love that the women's team has been able to reconnect with former members of all the women's Olympic teams. Um, we've created this legacy list now where we're all keeping in touch and it's been so cool to dig back and hear the stories of all the women that have come before us. Um, of course, we've had some fantastic male role models as well. You know, maybe a guy named Bill Koch, yeah. um, yeah. you know, my, uh, Jim Galanis, three-time Olympian was my coach early on. Um, my aunt and uncle, like I've had so many amazing role models in U.S. skiing that are part of this gold medal because um, there were some, some huge challenges they faced and um, they pioneered and they set the road for us to be able to do this. So um, I'm excited to, to be connected with them, to be in a sense joining their ranks uh, soon and, uh, and very excited to stay involved in Nordic sport. I mean, uh, I didn't get into cross-country skiing for the fame and the fortune. I got into it because I love the lifestyle, I love the people, and it's it's gonna be a, a daily part of my life, even when I'm done competing. So um, already I've told uh, Brian Fish that I would love to be involved with our development groups, whether it's camps or competitions. Uh, I look forward to uh, making at least one yearly reunion with, uh, with my teammates uh, to come over and watch an international competition, um, whether I can just be a, you know, a team helper come out, test skis, whatever. I'd love to stay involved. Um, of course, my IOC position will allow me to uh, be available at the Olympic Games. Um, so I, I think life after sports is going to be very, very busy because there are 100 different opportunities that are so exciting right now. But of course, the cross-country community is, is very close to my heart. And I, 
I'm so excited about um, our, our young guns coming in. I mean, the World Juniors results we've had um, the last two cycles, uh, some of the younger skiers even that I've, see, that I've gotten to meet in training camps, um, the future is brighter than ever. And I'm uh, just so excited that uh, everything I've worked for um, can help make the road easier for them. And I, I can't wait to watch. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Thanks for listening to the Randall interview on Nordic Nation. Wednesday evening earlier this week, Randall and teammate Jesse Diggins, Jay Diggs. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. <laughs>